Welcome to the New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, the New Mind Creator. Today, I'll be interviewing Nita Sweeney. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you'll receive alerts when new episodes are available on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, please leave me a review on iTunes or Spotify. So, Nita, where did you grow up? I grew up in rural Ohio in Licking County, which is a kind of farming community. And my father worked for the phone company, but I grew up on a 50-acre farm and we had horses and cows and dogs and cats and probably mice and a woods, which I spent a lot of time in the 12 acres of woods. So are there any writers in your family? No. Um, actually, one cousin is also a writer. But no, um, I was really the first. There were people who kind of wrote around the edges and kept journals and things like that. I have a few of those. But no, that wasn't not a family trait. I know you have your journalism degree from Ohio University. Was writing always a part of your life as you look back when you were growing up or is this something that kind of maturated through the process of life? I always wanted to be a writer. I'm not sure as a child I knew what that meant. In fact, I'm not sure as an adult I always knew what that (laughs) meant until I was actually in it. Um, But I always wanted to write and there was a kind of a dream of, you know, having a book with my name on it. I read a lot. I spent a lot of time in books with characters and both fiction and nonfiction. And so I cherished those volumes and I just wanted to be one of the people that created those things. And so, no, it wasn't, you know, it was a, it it wasn't, it wasn't in my family, but, but it was a lifelong thing. When you were on that farm, you know, being raised, Did you find yourself in your imagination creating stories? Yes, yes, absolutely. And I would create them so vividly that I would become usually a horse. That was (laughs) most of the most of the stories that I I read. Of course, I, you know, we rode horses, we had horses, but um, uh, many of the care that it the there was a usually a young girl who owned the horse but I wanted to be the horse. And so I could periodically be seen cantering around the yard. Mm -hmm. So you were mimicking, you were really embodying what you wanted to experience, it sounds like. Yes. So growing up in high school, when you got to high school, what was high school like for you? Confusing. I'm, <laughs> I'm an off the scale introvert. And I also have to say, I'm the youngest by a lot in my family. So I was almost an only child by the time I was in, I think, eighth grade. Well, before that, my sister is uh, nine years older, and my brother's 11 years older, or something like that. So um, and we were on 50 acres. <laughs> so it's not like I was in a neighborhood. So I spent a lot of time alone. And my parents, of course, my father had a full-time job. My mom had different jobs and she did a lot of volunteer work and was real active in the community. 
So, uh, so yeah, high school was, was, I don't know how to explain it between hormones and trying to figure out who the heck I was being an awkward kid. The thing that probably saved me actually was music. I learned to play the flute pretty early. My mother was very talented musically. Uh, she could sing, she could play the piano, the organ. She had played the clarinet. She, you know, and I, I, lean toward that with her. My father always said he couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, but, um, and I, he wasn't, you know, he was okay. But, um, but she was the talent. She was the, you know, the church organist and the choir director and all, all kinds of things like that in our local, very small community. And so being in band was a place I really could put my energy. I did some writing, but it, um, somewhere along the line, I just got the idea that writing wasn't something you pursued professionally if I get at, at one point I think my father even said something to the effect of oh writing is a great skill it will serve you in whatever profession you choose <laughs> and so <laughs> so I sort of got the impression that you know there weren't and I didn't know any writers so music I actually intended to go to college for performance flute and then wound up switching right before I um, actually left and went to OU for their um, radio television program. My mother was also, she was a DJ at a local radio station. Oh my, my, mom, my mom was a, a very tiny little radio station. It was, uh, it was the Christian voice of central Ohio. She was a very um, religious person. And, um, and so I hung around with those people and I don't know, I just, you know, flute was going to be really hard because I didn't want to teach. I wanted to be a performance flutist and, and that was just going to be really hard. And I just, I wasn't sure that, I mean, I got into some colleges, but I wasn't sure that I had the tenacity once I saw what it was really going to be like. And the RTV world sounded interesting. Um, but then I got to OU and saw how good their journalism program was. And, you know, I took a couple RTV courses and I wasn't sure if that's what I wanted, but you know, you're, you're what I, I was 17, I 18 maybe. And I, who knows what you know when you're that age, you know, your brain isn't, isn't terribly well developed, but, uh, but yeah, I ended up in the um, program at OU and it's a really good journalism school. And I learned from some great professors. I also took a lot of classes in political science and in women's studies and in uh, psychology and sociology. So I kind of had a broad education, even though I was, it was a, um, journalism focused you know that was my major I so, did a lot of volunteering. so growing up on 50 acres and there was such a age gap between you and your siblings uh you know did music playing the flute help you enhance your social well help enhance your social life because coming from yeah I could just imagine coming from school if you're not involved in any extracurricular activities you're just there at home now by yourself almost yes uh, there was a lot of um shoveling of manure and <laughs> um i did bale hay every summer in august and you know it's hot it's 90 degrees and very very humid and you're in long sleeve shirt with gloves and uh, long pants and boots because you do not want that hay on you so i did a lot i did those kinds of things too but i got involved in a group called the Licking County 4-H Band. And I cannot tell you how wonderful that was. And we traveled, we had, I think we did 20 concerts a summer. So we toured around Licking County. We um, performed at some other places too, but we would just give concerts to the community. 
marched in a lot of parades, especially Fourth of July. And I think we did a Memorial Day parade. Of course, the high school band I was in um, did some uh, parades also. But but during the summer, you know, you're off school, and the Licking County 4-H band became my life. Starting in about maybe sixth or seventh grade, I got really involved in that. And that, um, you know, there was a camp for a summer or for a um, a week where we went to practice when the season first started. And yeah, that was my community. That was actually more my community even than high school, than the actual high school I was in, because the county band is from all the schools in that geographic area. So it wasn't just my particular high school, which was Northridge High School. And so that exposed me to kids from, you know, Granville and Newark and Pascala, different areas, all, all mostly small towns, but kids I would never have met unless I had been in that band. So yeah, it, that, that was my social activity was being with the band and you know, we were like the band geeks. So you're at OU and you're in this journalism program and you're also experiencing other things as well. Psychology, you're learning about in various other topics. Now, once you graduate, what happens then? Did you already know you wanted to continue on this path of writing or what? Well, I actually, how do I put it? actually kind of chickened out with the writing. I don't know how else to say it. I, in the last um, quarter, we were on quarters at OU, maybe the quarter before the final quarter, I did, um, I don't know if it was a a visit. That's right. It wasn't just an intern. I did a couple of internships, but they they weren't with the magazine. But we visited the... um, company that does some magazines it was in atlanta and i think uh i think ms magazine at the time was one of the ones that 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 uh, that uh, company published i'm i'm sorry that i'm blanking on it it's been a few years ago <laughs> but it, they they did multiple magazines and so we got to kind of shadow people for a day or two and i started seeing the level of writing and again it was kind of the thing where a similar thing that happened maybe when I wanted to play flute where I realized I wasn't sure I was up to the task. And that, that actually um, I found out later might have been a mental health issue, but at the time, you know, I didn't know that and I didn't have any help with that. And so I had a friend who had gotten her journalism degree, had gotten her journalism degree and then went to law school. And so I got an internship at the prosecutor's office and really enjoyed my time there, was rewarded uh, with compliments and, you know, bigger, uh, maybe more responsibility over time. Um, I also did an internship at a shelter for uh, women who were in domestic violence situations and, you know, family, family violence situations and learned um, a little bit about writing grants and also the kind of legality of all of that. And so I ended up going to law school and that's what I did. I actually practiced law for 10 years. But what's interesting about that is that I'm not, I don't like conflict. And so it was a weird choice. And in the end, it it was not a great choice long-term, but what I was able to do was 
figure out how to do the writing because there's a ton of writing in the legal profession, research and writing. And so if I could stay out of the courtroom and do the research and writing, I was okay. Um, but yeah, I, I ended up being a partner in a small law firm and, and I, I wrote for a living in a way because that's what I did all day long. I wrote uh, memos and briefs and did research and um, you know gave that research to the attorneys that were actually trying the cases. And so I made it work. So you were actually honing your writing skills, even though it wasn't, you know, just simply being a writer through that job, even though it wasn't the ideal job for you being an introvert and not liking, well, not saying the introvert, but not liking conflict. Yeah, it was more than not right. It wasn't the introvert. There were plenty yeah. of introverts who are attorneys, but it was the conflict and it just over time, just really wore on me. And then also, I wasn't taking care of my mental health. And I know that now, you know, you see so much in hindsight. But yeah, I, it's very funny, because I love the way you frame that, that I was honing my writing skills, because what it felt like was I was surviving by figuring out how I could write, <laughs> instead of have to be in the courtroom. So I love that reframe. <laughs> I'm going to use that. I was just honing my writing skills. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting how life plays out because I remember as a kid, um, I spent a lot of time alone because I love sports. And when I didn't have anyone to play sports with, what I did, uh, I went into the backyard and I, I had an old mop stick, a broomstick, and it's really small. The diameter is really small. And what I would do was I would imagine, I would throw up a bottle cap and imagine myself as a baseball player and I would just swing and I would miss it often, of course, because the diameter is so small, but I oh would imagine gosh. in my mind just hitting a home run and not before long after doing that hours upon hours, I began hitting it. I began hitting this bottle cap. And when I actually began playing baseball, nobody could strike me out. Because... Right. Oh my gosh. Because you could hit a bottle cap. Holy smokes. That's amazing. I love that story. I love that. Because yeah. the repetition, you know, we we often think that we have to learn things. Well, and and I I um psyched myself out of doing things, as I mentioned, the flute and then possibly the journalism, so many times because I compared the um young, untrained. Nita to somebody who was playing in a symphony or somebody who was writing for the New York Times. And you had that practice over and over and over. Um, and that's so much of what it's about is repetition and with an aim, with a goal. So your repetition was, I'm going to just keep hitting this thing. And eventually you did. I just love that. Oh, that's such a great story. Yeah. And we didn't realize what I was doing at the time, just being in the moment and making the best out of it. And you were making the best out of your situation, although it was uncomfortable. And you spent over a decade in that space and then something happened to you. You had a major depressive episode. Can you talk yes. a little about that? Yes. Yes. I'm always happy to talk about that. It came on over a long period of time and I was able to hide it for a long time. And I didn't realize that there was help available. And, and then finally, kind of the day came where I knew I was in danger 
I mean, I knew um, that I was, I was in, I was going to, you know, end my life. I was going to, I just didn't want to be here anymore. And, and, you know, in hindsight, I think, how do you get to that place? Well, it didn't happen overnight. And so eventually I was able to ask for help and um, was able to get, you know, time off and the mental health care, the medication, which I ultimately needed therapy. I was hospitalized for a while. Um, and, and then I, once that healing happened, I was able to make some decisions about my future and, you know, chose to, to leave the practice. And I wasn't able to, um, you know, I, I, I still haven't, how do I say this? I haven't had a day job in a long time because I still have inconsistencies where not every day um, can I be uh, performing. I feel like I'm stumbling on words, but but I couldn't show up for a job every day. I couldn't do that. And I um, don't know if part of the problem is that I kind of burnt myself out so badly I mean, I probably should have left after three years. I knew it was a horrible fit after very shortly, possibly even in law school, you know, I, but I just kept thinking, oh, I have to do this. And I didn't realize I didn't, I didn't honor what I now know are strengths. Mm -hmm. I thought that they, that the things that now are things I use, um, like empathy and, um, not that you know, lawyers aren't empathetic, but, but it's like a high sensitivity level where I read people and, um, I don't know, just different things like that, that, uh, where I couldn't shut off some of the things that you have to shut off. And I couldn't show up in the ways that you have to show up as a lawyer, but I can show up in other ways that, um, aren't necessary for that. And so, uh, so yeah, I, I, I just, uh, got to a place where I was just done and I, Luckily, I had help and I, um, I didn't die. I mean, I really, I feel very, very fortunate um, that I didn't die because I really, I would have, I mean, I really would have, I was very, very close. Wow. That's an amazing story. Do, are you someone who at the core, once you start something, you have to finish it out no matter how difficult it is? I was, mm -hmm. I'm starting to learn that there is a place where um, the burnout starts to happen and it becomes um, necessary to take a pause and decide, wait a minute, this shouldn't be, not that it shouldn't be hard because I can do very hard things, but it shouldn't be, I shouldn't feel so twisted up inside about this. Um, I'm starting to learn how to read myself better and then also read outside um, signals of what um, might be happening. Other people saying, are you okay? You know, things like that. But I couldn't do that when I was younger. I just really thought I just had to do this. And I, I did change jobs once. Um, I went from a uh, consulting firm into an actual law firm. And that's when I became a partner because I was one of the founders of that law firm. And I kind of thought it was almost like a geographic cure. I thought that if I just went someplace else, that it was just the place I was working. And as it turned out, it was really the conflict. It was the essence of what being a lawyer is, because that's your job. Your job is to protect your client and they don't 
come there because they're having a picnic. You know, they come there because somebody is suing them or, or they're, or they want to sue somebody else, or they want to prevent being sued, or they want to prevent doing something illegal. And so it's all about a very um, adversarial situation pretty much all the time. Who was most supportive to you during that time, during that mental health crisis? Uh, because it seemed like, you know, it took a little while. Edward John Sweeney, my mm. husband. Yeah, the, he has his own hashtag. He's the 100% good husband. But yeah, he, um, I was in a mental hospital the weekend after our first wedding anniversary. And I always say, you know, maybe not all the guys, but a lot of the other guys that, <laughs> or, you know, people in my, um, would have said, you know, she was a partner in a law firm when we got married. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> um, and uh, he didn't bat an eye. He drove me down there because they wouldn't. I ended up at the at my psychiatrist or my psychologist's office and they brought one of the psychiatrists in and basically said, yeah, you're not you're not leaving the building alone. We'll either take you by ambulance or your husband will come and get you and take you to the hospital because it was I was just in too frail of a state. And uh, yeah, he drove me down there and he's been by my side and we've been, you know, I, it wasn't, it wasn't magic. Uh, I had a long road ahead of me and then I've had some bumps, some big bumps along the way. And he has just been there. He's a uh, joke. I call him steady Eddie. Cause he's just like that. He's just one of those people that has a very calm demeanor. He has, you know, he has big emotions, but he is generally very level headed and uh, very action oriented person action oriented person, whereas I can be a little more hesitant and he helps me figure things out. Uh, grateful. He gratefully, he also cooks because I have attention span issues and I will, you know, turn on a pan and then leave the kitchen. And next thing we know, things are on fire. So, so he cooks and that's good. I mostly stay, I can use the microwave, like for free frozen dinners in the microwave. I can usually handle that. They don't, even if they catch on fire, you know, you just keep the door closed and the fire will go out. So I did, I did do that once I put a metal rack in the microwave and um, oh, turned yeah. the, yeah, I turned the, yeah, and blew, it didn't blow up, but it did ruin the microwave and we did have a little fire, but yeah, I joke about that now. It was actually scary at the time, but you know, I just, but I have, I, I continue to have issues. And again, I wonder if that would have happened anyway with any job I had chosen just because I have that. Um, because we do have a mental health issue. We had no writers, but we had mental health issues in our family. So, um, so I don't, you know, I don't know if that would have happened anyway, but I definitely have still have challenges that I face and I've learned how to work around them for the most part, but, uh, but I'll, I'll, I won't be, you don't want me to make, you know, to fry eggs for you. You really don't. <laughs> That's a good plan for wives, you know, <laughs> to stay out of the kitchen, right? <laughs> well, it wasn't my intention. I mean, I started cooking and I, there was a time when I could, and then um, gradually it became, my attention became less and less. And then um, the the worst story about this is, um, and another, this is a testament to Ed, how he stayed, stayed with me. I uh, was cooking dinner and this was, was this before, this may have been before I left the law firm, actually. I can't remember. We were, I, I think it was before I left the law firm and I was cooking dinner and I had uh, made these pork chops before and they were fine. But what I did was I put the pork chops in the convection oven and then I preheated it 
and then I baked them. And so they were basically cooked like twice. And so they came out about the size of maybe half dollars. These like nice, you know, big pork chops. They were like <laughs> hockey pucks, essentially. And he'd come home from work and he, he was really hungry. And so he said, oh, it'll be fine. I said, no, you really don't want to eat these. And he picked one up and sat down at the table. And I was making something else for myself. And my back was to him. And all of a sudden I realized he wasn't talking. And I turned around and he had his, he was gripping the table and his mouth was open and he couldn't speak. And so he, what he'd done is he choked on one of those pork chops. So I did the Heimlich maneuver and it was just like in the movies. I did the Heimlich maneuver and it shot, you know, the pork chop shot out of his um, windpipe across the room. (laughs) So I haven't, haven't cooked since. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's quite the story. Yeah. It's (laughs) one of our bonding moments. (laughs) You know, I've been through a lot. I'm not warned you. you know, I've been through a lot. Yeah, something you all could definitely look back on and share a laugh for sure now that you, you know, you're out of it. Right. Never, now that he you, didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. So, you, so all of this, so this stuff is happening, all these different obstacles. Um, now, you, you know, you come out of that space where it was so intense, where you had to be in the hospital. When did writing really um, start to consume you in some way? Shortly after I got out of the hospital, I'd already started doing what's called writing practice, which is it's kind of like journaling a little bit different. It's um, based on... Um, a woman named Natalie Goldberg, who is a meditation teacher, a meditation uh, practitioner. And so I had started doing that just sort of at the tail end of when I was practicing law. And I was in a group um, for my mental health for a long time. And so they encouraged all of that. And I continued with that. And then I thought, okay, I have a journalism degree. And so eventually I was able to start doing some magazine articles. My degree is actually in magazine feature writing. And so I have a a dog world and dog fancy. Those are two of my big credits. And I had an essay in country living magazine. So I, I have some, you know, some big journalism credits, but then I decided that I wanted to um, start studying directly with, with um, Ms. Goldberg, Natalie Goldberg. And so I started taking workshops from her and then eventually I become, I became um, her assistant. So I was still taking workshops, still writing, but I was assisting her too. And, you know, trying to learn everything I could from her, kind of thinking it would rub off, <laughs> which it <laughs> sort of does. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, pretty much since, um, I don't know, since like 1997, 1998, I really just have been um, completely in that writing world, just, um, just really immersed in that. And then I eventually went to MFA school and got my master's in creative writing. And that was um, kind of the most glorious time to set everything else aside and just focus on writing. And I learned so much. I gained a, I mean, I had a writing community. I mean, I connected with the writers here because I now live in Columbus, Ohio, which is a kind of a big city compared to, you know, I got it. Once I went to college, I then have lived pretty much in a city ever since. And, uh, but that community of uh, 
people working on their masters, working on longer works. You know, I've stayed in touch with a lot of those folks. It was just a, it was just a wonderful time. There was um, just a lot to be learned and, and kind of have that uh, container to work, to do the work. And I really appreciated being able to do that because it's kind of a gift. So. Yeah, if people don't know, I mean, you've won numerous awards for writing and your articles. Uh, you're a bad woman in this writing game, and that's in a good way. You know? Yeah, I like that. Thank you. I like yeah. that. <laughs> and I'm going to put that in the description as well, your different awards and things that you've garnered over the years. And you're also an award-winning wellness author. Uh what, what, how did you get that distinction for wellness? Well, that's just what I call myself, essentially. But the reason um, that it's award-winning wellness is because the book that won the biggest award is, um, it's actually, the award is actually from the Dog Writers Association of America, but it's for the human-animal bond. And the book is a mental health book. It's a running it's about running with my dog. It's called Depression Hates a Moving Target. And that's what really launched me into the world as kind of a mental health advocate. Um, now I'm a meditation coach. You know, it, sort of, it sort of took me to the next level, having that book published. It's funny because when I was a little kid, there was just that dream of looking on a shelf and having a book that said um, my name on it, you know, had my name on it. But it becomes something different once it's out in the world and people start to receive it and tell you that your words mean something to them and you see their lives change or they tell you their life, you know, that all of that stuff, it, it becomes so much more than just the book or just your name on a book or just the writing. And that's what's happened for me. It's a, been really transformative. And I know you've shared some of your experience uh, being hospitalized in that particular book as well. Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. So are you working on anything uh, presently? Well, right now, the um, next book is ready to be birthed, or it may have been, I don't know when this is, um, I think, are we live? Are we live? Pretty close to live. Um, <laughs> so um, um, yeah, so it's coming out um, August 9th of 2022. So uh, my apologies if we're, um, my timing is off here. But yeah, um, it's called Make Every Move a Meditation. Mindful movement for mental health, well-being, and insight. And what I, I you know, I've been a runner for oh, 12 years now, and I've been a meditator for almost 30. So, and I've been teaching meditation on and off for many years. And I finally got, you know, like a certificate to do that, although I'd already been doing it. And I realized that I was actually meditating while I was running. And so I started having people ask me about that. And I started sharing little videos on Instagram and other places about how I do that. And so that seemed like the natural progression of the next book was to go from the kind of running and mental health book to how I meditate while I move. And it's not a, a lot of the examples in the book are running, but there's people I know who do Brazilian jujitsu while they're, you know, meditate while they're doing that. They do pickleball, they do Zumba, they say, you know, sailing in a boat, all kinds of things that are exercise ish kinds of things that um, you wouldn't necessarily think of. I mean, most people, when you think of meditation, they think of sitting in the lotus position and with your eyes closed, 
But these people like me are doing it when they're out and about in the world. And the great thing about that is that it translates into the ability to be in the present moment, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And that's, that's what, uh, that's what I have learned how to do and wanted to share with other people. And are you on any social media platforms? I am. I am pretty much Nita Sweeney everywhere. Instagram is my current favorite, although I'm definitely very active on Twitter also. I have a Facebook page, Nita Sweeney Author, on Facebook. Those are the big three for me. I have a YouTube channel, but I'm still kind of playing with that. But um, I also have, this isn't social media, but it's actually probably the best way to find out what's going on with me is through my newsletter. I have a newsletter. I probably send out an email um, newsletter once a month, maybe twice a month, depending on what's going on. And I try to compile everything in there so people can really see. And like I gave people a sneak, you know, the people that were on my list, a little sneak peek of the new book. And I uh, um, will curate some articles that I'm finding helpful. If I'm reading a book, I might tell them, oh, yeah, I just read this. And this is kind of a cool thing from that. So it's just more of a, um, a little more intimate. Than, I mean, social media moves so fast and it's so easy to miss things that, uh, um, that yeah, it's better if they go to my website and sign up for my newsletter. That's probably the best way to, to stay in touch. And then they have my email and they can you know, respond to that. We have dialogues. It's really pretty wonderful. So through all the different experiences you've had in your lifetime, uh, the ups and the downs, what is your one to grow on? What valuable piece of information would you like to leave our audience with? Now is where it's at, right here in this moment, right in this moment. I, I, I like to think that um, I can plan my future and I like to think that I can appreciate my past, but I can only do either of those things right now. I'm making those plans right now with the information I have. I'm having those memories right now with where I am today. So just remembering that now is where it's at, this moment right here. Thank you for listening to The New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, The New Mind Creator. This podcast has been sponsored by Abundant Sports and True Serum. Head over to www.mauriceflornary.com to receive more motivation and insight to help create your new mind.